I understand you took a bypass last week out of Luke. Thank David for filling in for me while I was in Charleston. I want to hit three points here in chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. We're talking about Jesus, of course. He is full throttle into his earthly ministry here, if you will. Verse 31 says, He went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out in every place in the surrounding region. And we'll stop there for the moment. My first point is right here in these verses. We're looking at, if I had a title for this, uh, it would be this, with authority and power. We're looking at the ministry of Jesus Christ. This particular situation here, we see the power of the word, the word from God. We see his power over I wouldn't call this nature. It does deal with a man, but he has power over the spirits. Can you imagine? Well, he's gone down to Capernaum. If he looked on a map, it would seem like Nazareth was above there. But what he's talking about, I believe Luke is, the elevation of Capernaum, it's about 700 feet below sea level along the Sea of Galilee. And he's going down there. <clears throat> It's a prosperous sea town. Uh, things are happening there. Uh, we're going to run into some fishermen who make their living working the Sea of Galilee. And he's going to this, and he's going to make this, if you go back to, we won't read it right now, Matthew chapter 4. This is going to be Jesus' new home, as it were, here on earth. Coming from Nazareth, he's coming to this place. There are a number of reasons he did that. Uh, one of them, I think, had to do with taking care of Mary, his mother, in that location. But he was going to make his home there. And where does he go? It, we go right to the issue. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. In the synagogue, teaching them. This is the story of Jesus' earthly ministry. He went to the house of worship. Uh, he ministered in the countryside, too. But it was his habit to head to the synagogue when he got to a new town, study the books of, of Acts. That is the course that Paul took most times. He was going to set up shop in the place of worship first. This is so full of meaning. <laughs> Jesus is going to the place where he should have been elevated and worshiped without a question. To these religious leaders... <laughs> And he's going to run into opposition there time and time again. He goes to the synagogue. He comes here on the Sabbath day. And what Matthew says about this is that it followed the great temptation that we studied earlier in Luke when he came out of the wilderness. And the other gospels, not Luke, but the others state that the apostles were with him there. I don't know that that makes a lot of uh, 
difference in our story, but there was plenty of witnesses to this. Luke could have garnered bits of information from a number of reliable sources, and uh, it is likely that he was there too. The other gospels bring these things up. He was teaching them, and they were astonished at his teaching. This is the reaction. I cannot give you the depth of meaning behind that word astonished. Uh, some people use gobsmacked or something, <laughs> some vernacular. They were just blown away about this teaching. It was like they were, another interpretation for that word, astonished, could be dumbfounded. What does that conjure up in your mind? They don't know what to say. <laughs> Who can say anything about what we've just heard? This is mind-blowing, uh, which would be another synonym you could use for this. What brings on this reaction? They were dumbfounded. It was as if they were struck by a blow when Jesus was teaching them. Wow, what a reaction. Well, why do the, does that reaction, why is that a, a reaction a uh, natural byproduct of his teaching. Why? It's right there in the verse. <laughs> Thank you. He spoke with authority. Almost the same account is given in, given in Mark's gospel in the first chapter. We read this in verse 21. They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority, comma, this I don't think is in Luke, not as the scribes. This isn't what we've heard. This isn't what we're used to. Jesus is bringing us something that we don't know what to do with this. His teaching is producing this reaction. And I pray that our teaching and our preaching here will bring that kind of reaction to us. Not every week will we be astonished, but shouldn't we be, oh man, driven upward <laughs> by the word of God and what it says to us. Christ is not giving them some platitudes. He's not rehearsing to them quotes from all the other rabbis who are ministering to them. He is speaking from God and he's speaking with power. Even John talks about this in chapter seven. He puts it this way. No one ever spoke like this man. Why should we listen to the word of God? No one ever spoke like this. Nobody on TV, nobody in, in any other pulpit. We have close to that here, people speaking the truth of God's word, but nobody ever spoke like this. Why? He is speaking eternally significant things. That wasn't the regular uh, atmosphere of their worship. This was something different. This was with power and authority. Let me stop here for a minute. <laughs> Can you think of any authority figures you've had in your life? Pardon? Your parents. Your parents, absolutely. Anybody else? your boss at work? And have you men been in the military? <laughs> I felt that authority the first time I stepped off the bus at boot camp. <laughs> you heard that 
proclaiming of that drill sergeant from the get-go. And for the next eight weeks, you are mine. <laughs> and you believed it. Anybody else? Teachers. Teachers, yes. Have some authority over you. Uh, I don't want to get mean or ugly, but perhaps your spouse does. You know? <laughs> My spouse has authority over me all the way down to Charleston. I drove, she directed. <laughs> I listened, I turned when she said. I had never been where we were going, and I counted on her to direct me. <clears throat> this is what Jesus said is behind this. He says, and in not in direct answer to what we read here in Luke, but in other place in John, he who sent me is true, and I died to the world. I mean, he, he gave to the world what I have heard from him. What is Christ saying? I'm coming to you right from God. Listen to me. There's no in-between man here. This is it. And he's going to go on here and prove this, this power that he has in other ways. He has come to demonstrate the power that comes from God. We're going to see this in his teaching here too, beginning in verse 33 and going down to 37. He comes to this man who has a spirit of an unclean demon. I don't know what's with the interpretation there. I could not figure it out. I don't know that there is a clean demon, okay? I think the emphasis is this was not a spirit of the good kind. This man was, in, was inhabited by a bad spirit, a demon, a fallen angel, an emissary of the devil. He was in this man. This is, we're going to see this throughout Luke, and you can see it in the other Gospels too. Particularly at the time of Christ, there's a lot of apparent demon activity. There is demon activity in the world in which we live. We just don't see it as openly as it was at the time of Christ. Why do you think that is? Absolutely. Christ, which means what? He is the Messiah. He has come... And we're going to see a demonstration of that in healing this man. He's going to come in the power that 700 years before Isaiah prophesied about. He is the one coming with healing, coming with a word of eternal significance. And that's going to be played out here. This unclean spirit, this demon here, he's coming to deal with. He's going to demonstrate that power and authority, that is Jesus, in this spiritual realm by casting out a demon. I don't know if, sometimes you look around at some of the people that are in charge in different aspects of this world on different levels in entertainment, politics, etc. You think, are they controlled by the evil one, by a demon? I don't really know. But you see, Christ was coming and here in the flesh, this was intense. Satan had... <laughs> had succeeded in the Garden of Eden. And now in fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, Christ has shown up. This is the answer, the promise of Genesis 3.15. We're going to pull out all the guns and go after him. So we have demon presence all over the place. This demon, this fallen angel, has power over this man to some extent. And Christ has come to deal with it. A demon 
and you're going to see this, like I said, numerous times in, in the, the scripture from Christ's ministry. Matthew Henry talks about it, this, this unclean spirit. He says that it's unclean. He works in men. And I don't know to what extent he does that today, but when we pray for the salvation of some people, you can't believe how they act. And you wonder, they are not under the control of Christ. Well, I won't get into that. <laughs> he works in men. And listen, he is present here in the synagogue. Now, I don't think we ought to go out into the sanctuary and start to look around. <laughs> but in our midst are unsaved people from time to time. Satan still has a toehold. Here, he has a very explicit hold on this one man, Satan does. It's also interesting here, notice he, the unclean spirit, he knows who Jesus Christ is. He cried out with a loud voice, ha, ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? It's, he's asking this, what do you want with us? See, the gauntlet had been thrown down by Christ. He has come to turn back the kingdom of darkness. And these demons want to know, what do you, what do you want with us? I assume, I don't know, I couldn't prove this from my study. I assume that he was speaking on behalf of several other demons who were around. What do you want with us? <laughs> he knows already. What do you want with us? This real demon. He speaks the truth. He knows the truth, but he hates it. And he is speaking the truth to the one who is called the truth, Jesus Christ. But he does it belligerently. He does it unbelievingly. He does not do it savingly. In other words, he knows the facts about Christ, but he's not acquiescent to the truth of those spiritual facts in Jesus, the Savior. Well, you can apply that to our world. There are people who know about Jesus. Our brother here meets him every week, downtown Greenville. They know who he is, but they won't believe. They won't acquiesce. They won't give in to the truth of what they know. They believe, but they don't believe in him as savior. This happened in Acts 2. And I don't mean chapter 2, also in the book of Acts. There was a case where unclean spirits rise up in Acts chapter 19. And they say this to some who were not true apostles of Christ. They say, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? you unclean people who are trying to dissuade people from the truth. The demons call these people out, these false preachers in Acts. Ha! And might, he might as well have said, here you are, here you are. He violates this sacred time and place in the synagogue by calling out, confronting Jesus Christ. Wow, wow. Recognize his deity. He's... Malicious, what an affrontery. What a way to present yourself to Jesus Christ. Who are you? You know, we know people like this. They don't say those words, but their actions proclaim this message. Who are you? I'm my own person. You've heard this. You may have heard this on Oprah Winfrey. I read the quote from her. 
She talked about everyone has their own truth. <laughs> uh, first of all, that wasn't even a true statement, so I don't know where she went with that. But that's the time which we live. Truth is just, it's like shifting sand. And these people are, are these demons act like this, <coughs> that this truth, you know, I need to speak to you about it. He goes on further and says, the Holy One of God. In other words, the Son or the Savior, he's telling us here when he says this. He is revealing the Messiahship of Jesus Christ in his confrontation with Christ. How God uses evil people <laughs> to move forth his kingdom. Go a little, go, well, go back a few weeks to Easter. Isn't that what happened with Pontius Pilate? Pontius was trying to save his political career with what he did there uh, when it came time to uh, prosecute, if you will, Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, he had to skirt around the truth and deal with it in a way that was unbecoming and not good. The Jewish leaders had denied that this was who Jesus was and in the face of that, the demons proclaim, this is the Messiah. Basically, that's what they're saying when they call him the Holy One of God. What a smack in the face to those rabbis. The demons are in effect asking, what do we have in common? What are you here for? We got business here with this guy and some other people. Leave us alone. And it leads to the question, have you come to destroy us? They knew in Jesus' presence they stood condemned. Uh, and they talked to this demon about the plurality of demons. Jesus soundly answers him. What does he do? He cried out to him. Well, he didn't cry out, not in the way the demon did, but he rebuked him, rebuked him. How does he do this? He has power and authority unlike anything we know. I often, I don't know how often, but I frequently pray, make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't mean like this here. I mean in holiness, in sanctification. No one is like this. No one is a rival to the power of Jesus Christ. Won't that embolden you in your prayer life? Won't it? I trust it will. The demon obeys and it's by what? The power of his word. And the demon, this force of evil, able to get into this man and make him do stupid, crazy, sinful things, he believes and acts immediately in accordance with the command from Jesus Christ. Wow. What a God we serve. He threw the victim down, we hear, uh, see here, and then he left. You will also note that this man was not hurt, and we read that in the gospel. Our Savior protects us all the way. Makes you sing that hymn, all the way my Savior leads me. He, it's all the way. He will take care of us. Look at his ability to deliver here from the domain of darkness and transfer us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
right here he did this. You remember on the cross, going back to Easter again, one man cried out for mercy, remember me. <laughs> Didn't take anything, did it? Immediately Jesus said, this day you shall be with me. Listen, friends, when you sin, it, you ought to be ashamed. You ought to be <laughs> burdened down by it. But you ought to remember to look to the one who stands up just as uh, Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, there is immediately for, immediate forgiveness with Jesus Christ. He has the power to deliver. This is, we see it here. Our religion is a heart religion. It's more than a head religion. And Christ is demonstrating that in great power. He has ability to deliver. Colossians 1.13 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's what Christ is doing here to this man. No wonder Martin Luther penned a mighty fortress. You know that great uh, verse, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That's what's taking place here. Jesus rebukes this spirit and, and he's gone. Well, look at the response to this power. These people are amazed. They say, what is this word? What, with what authority does he do this? We saw that in John's gospel. Well, the word quick, quickly spreads. Wow, Jesus has done this. They were all amazed and said to Mona, what is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. What a blessing here. Do you know this authority? Let me give you some of the things Jesus has authority over. He has authority to teach. We see that throughout the gospel. He has authority to exercise unclean spirits. He has authority to heal, which we're gonna see in our next portion of scripture here. Wonderful, he has authority to forgive our sins and isn't that what we most need? He has authority to judge if you will not repent and believe. For in the last day in Revelation 20, we see he stands and calls before people, uh, calls people before him to be judged. He has authority to give life and to empower us for godly living. I read to you a verse from Colossians 2, you have one, I'm sorry, two, and you could go beyond the verse I read there in one through the rest of that chapter and see this. We serve a victorious Christ. There's no need to, I mean, there are times we're gonna get weighed down. We're gonna be afraid of circumstances, but we need to take a look at this one. This cosmic power that was manifesting itself in this man is cast down, is overcome by a word of power. Well, quickly, verses 38 to 40, we read here. He arose, left the synagogue, and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her, and what does he do? He rebuked the fever. He rebuked it. I don't know how you do that, but he did. And it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any, uh, who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many saying, you are the son of God. 
But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So we see Christ's power here over disease, over the demons, and now we see it over disease. His healing authority. In 1 Corinthians 9, we read this. Do we, have, do we not have the right? Uh, well, I won't get into that. That's something else about Peter. It is interesting to see here, in light of what other religions teach, that Peter was married. <laughs> he had a wife. It's his mother-in-law that's sick. Some churches that believe otherwise are wrong, according to this scripture. He is here in the synagogue again, our Lord. What's going on here? It is the end of the day, the, the day of the Sabbath, and things are coming to a close. And now Christ is looking outside Peter's house and it's lined up with people coming to be healed. The Sabbath's over. We need you, Jesus. Won't you do this work? And the sun goes down and perhaps Christ worked all night long. We have a new problem here that uh, shows itself in the illness of Peter's uh, mother-in-law. What is the illness? It is a fever. And in one of the gospels, it says a high fever. He is staying with these people. Look at the providence involved in this. How many other places could Jesus have gone to? But he comes to this place where Peter's mother-in-law is sick. By the way, it says a lot about relations with your in-laws, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's get the Lord on our side in all situations. Let's get healing here. He has come to, her, to his house, Simon's uh, mother-in-law, her house, and he's come to deal with another problem. It is another opportunity for him to serve. He's just left one behind and moves right into another one. This is going to be the course throughout the gospel here. One place after another, Jesus is going and fulfilling the mission that he talked about that he was called to do. He comes to her house. The main meal is the day has been taken, as they often did, which would be a little afternoon for the worship took place in the morning. Uh, and Andrew perhaps was there, Jesus, uh, James and John. Peter has invited him. He comes and his mother-in-law has a serious fever, a physical ailment. He rebukes the fever and it leaves her. I don't know what's involved with that. I can't explain it. But this is the God who spoke and the mountains appeared. Who spoke and the animals appeared. So perhaps he speaks with a harsh voice and says, get out of her. He rebukes the fever. This thing here. Now this is a real situation. This isn't a drummed up healing situation for television. <laughs> this is something Jesus came to and he deals with it right there. We have the testimony here of Luke and others. This woman was laid low with a fever. He spoke and she was healed. What a God we serve. He has power over the demons. He has power over uh, the physical, our nature. This serious fever is done away with. He has this power because we go back to earlier in Luke where he came to be baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. That same spirit is present today. Not in the same way it was with Jesus Christ. But God is not changed over the centuries. He is still present. He doesn't deal with things exactly like this, but he does heal. 
he does, does give deliverance from sin. And we have a picture of that of Christ fulfilling the mission. He conquered the, tempt, the temptation of the evil one in the wilderness. He's speaking with authority and power here. He demonstrated his power over the spirit above. And now he demonstrates it with the healing of this disease. It is interesting, isn't it? Nobody gave her a prescription to go to rehab next week. Our brother here just had heart problems. You know what this is about. You go to rehab. Nah, we don't need that. Christ has healed. And not only has he healed her, but what does she do? She begins to serve. She goes right off to serve. What a testimony that is. This thing that he had healed her from, this serious fever that struck her, is gone. And it's almost like in thankfulness, she gets up and starts to serve here at this meal. Great hostess, great testimony. And the word spreads about this and people are lining up. And I believe Jesus spent the best part of the night healing these people. I don't see any place in scripture where he ever turned anybody away who came to him for healing. What a gracious God we serve. And look at the power he has here. He rebuked the demons. He rebukes this disease, this fever, and it's gone. It's interesting. What happened at Nazareth when Christ was working there? We read about that just above here where we are today in Luke. What happened? How long did he stay? Not long. They weren't really receptive. Here in his new hometown here, he is appreciated and he stays. I believe he stayed all throughout the night till every one of these people who came to him were dealt with in great grace. C.S. Lewis, I don't read him for theology, but he's a great author. He wrote this one time. When you posit the kind of God revealed in the Old and New Testaments, you run the risk of a few miracles. <laughs> That's what we have here. This is the God we serve. Do you believe that? He may not do these things exactly as he did them here in Luke, but God is still a God of miracles. Do you pray for anybody to be saved on a regular basis? Do you? How many, how many years have you prayed? You don't need to answer that. God still works. Do we pray for people who are ill? Absolutely. <laughs> Every Wednesday you can unfold a trifold and look at the list of diseases, things people need help with. God works a little differently, but he's the same God with the same power. Every one of us is a testimony to that, aren't we? We weren't Christians all our lives. <laughs> Some of us, it took longer before we saw the light, but he still works. Well, as Messiah... He's begun to overturn the effects of the fall in dealing with the demon, in dealing with physical diseases. He's beginning to bring the kingdom of God into view for these people and for us. Let me in the last place in the few minutes we have, look at the last couple of verses there. <laughs> we read, and when it was day, <laughs> sounds like he worked all night, doesn't it? Verse 42 is where I am. 
he went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. Boy, this isn't Nazareth. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Look at the priority of preaching for Jesus Christ. He knew his mission and he was going to fulfill it. He went off here. I believe it was for a time of spiritual refreshment. He did this from time to time, got off alone in prayer. It's an example to us. If Jesus Christ did that, why don't we take time to get alone with God? He did that. We don't have this necessarily the exact same ministry, but for power to live the Christian life, we need to do this, friends. We need to get alone with our God. Christ set out to do that, but they came to him. His time of rest is interrupted. I believe he went off to pray and meditate. Mark 1 says that ex uh, explicitly, but they wouldn't leave him alone. He was off to have communion with the Father, but he nevertheless cured all those who kept coming to him healed them. What a means of grace this is. Scripture says, and he says that in verse 43 here, for I was sent for this purpose. What? I must preach the good news of the kingdom. He didn't lose sight of that. What a glorious day this was here in Capernaum. Wonderful. But he still had not missed the mark. I have to go to all these synagogues in Judea. What a God we have. What a God. Uh, let me read to you one other verse here. I think then we'll call it quits. I want to go to uh, Matthew 28. I'm not reading anything that you don't know. You can probably recite this in your mind as I read it. We read this. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the great commission that Christ gives his followers. He's saying, in effect, do what I did. See, we read about it in Luke chapter four here. Go and preach. Share this message of salvation. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now I'm telling you by the power that I have to go and teach all nations. You know, many times we have this, uh, if you ever get bogged down and, and you're you know, sad or uh, disappointed, read the scriptures about places like this where Christ has empowered us, has been with us, Read this here in, in the Great Commission. Read what Jesus has done here in Luke chapter four. Read in John 17 where Jesus parts the curtain, if you will, and reveals to us his relationship with God the Father and said, the glory that I have, the power that I have, give to these men, my disciples, my followers. Jesus is not holding anything back from us that we need for life, for redemption, for godly living. And he demonstrates that. Any questions or comments? Well, it's been a full day for our Lord. <laughs> it really has. Any questions, comments, anything you want to say? Okay.
If you want to point out my errors, write it on a slip of paper and hand it to me. <laughs> Mr. Bill, would you dismiss us in prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank thee for the time that we can spend in your word. We thank thee for the teachers that you provide us. Thank you for Dennis and for the message that he brings on a weekly basis. And Lord, I pray that we will continue to seek out, seek you out and seek your word and see what it does for us and helps us through each day. I pray now that you'll be with us as we go through the rest of the service and that you will open our heart, open our minds, help us to be attentive and understanding and we pray for Pastor Master today, that you will give him the words that you would have us to hear, and that we will use them in the way that you have intended. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.